Amen. I came across this word about 20 years ago, uh, phylactery, which strikes me as an odd-sounding word. Um, it's the word used to describe the box ancient followers of God and to this day Jewish believers would place on their foreheads uh, tied with a wrap. Inside the box they would write little passages of scripture, a physical way of embodying a spiritual commitment to keep the word always on their mind. If this sermon has an avatar or a portfolio image, it would be that picture of a phylactery. You can take it or leave it. Life is coming at you fast. Maybe the differentiating circumstance of this generational moment, as opposed to every other one, is our access to information. If you lived through World War II and you wrote a letter to your loved one, either back at home or off at war, it would take two to three weeks to arrive. Your update was a month old. Now we have access to the war in Ukraine on video in a moment. Life comes at you so fast. I was thinking about this in terms of neuroscience, because what else do I have to do during a day? Uh, specifically, as it relates to teenagers, the prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain used for executive functioning and decision-making and processing, the prefrontal cortex doesn't actually develop and mature until a person is like 25 years old. So most of us live a third of our lives impulsively, reactively, and then for teenagers, we give them access to a world's worth of information by way of the internet and everybody's opinion by way of social media. And if you're going to ask a teenager, how are you doing? Maybe the most honest answer is, how would I know? Life is coming at you so fast. I was thinking about this in terms of some business friends of mine. The sociopolitical landscape affects their Tuesday. International relationships change the metrics for their job performance. They're trying to do good by the boss and treat right the direct reports, be home in time for dinner around a table if there even is one, give time and attention to their marriage, have elasticity of spirit to hang with their ranges of ages in kids, their aging parents take time and attention to. They're just looking for a little time on the weekend to put their feet up and they're constantly feeling they're playing from behind and you're so far behind, life comes at you so fast. Just to become more aware of the stuff coming at you all the time, I hopped online this past week, paid attention to some of the headlines across the news feeds. I won't mention which ones. I don't want to offend anybody. Russia escalates war plans Big money marketing of Jesus during Super Bowl. Prince Andrew and the royal family. Why do young Americans, Gen Z, hate America? Young people leaving the church in historic droves. The stock market drops. Interest rates rise. Is there a recession on the way? It's all coming at you so fast. How do you do it? How do you stay centered? How do you hold up? Do you ever just want to like 
throw in the towel, raise the white flag, I quit, you can have it. Well, before you quit, I wonder if Jesus has a word for us, a word that might center us in a fast-paced world. This is from the end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verses 24, and a few verses that follow. Listen to this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rains came, the floods rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them is like a foolish person who built his house on sand. The rains came, the floods rise, the winds blow and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. It's Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. It's the culmination of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the crescendo. It's the grand finale. It's the high point of all the things Jesus has been saying up to that point in the Sermon on the Mount. He ends like this, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like the wise person. The the words that have been heard don't even be angry. Don't even look at another lustfully. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Don't worry about your life and when you give and when you pray and when you fast because he expects that you will. And narrow is the gate and hard is the way that leads to life, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like a wise person. In a fast-paced world, Jesus starts talking about wisdom. Wisdom. That sounds good, doesn't it? Why does it seem like wisdom is in such short supply? There are three New Testament words for wisdom, which I learned this week, found kind of interesting. I think A bunch of people are aware there's four New Testament words for love, but I just learned there's three New Testament words for wisdom. Uh, Sophos is one of them. Sophos is kind of what you think of when you think of wisdom. Non-reactive, non-threatening, non-anxious presence, gentle and patient, the kind of person you go to with the complexities of your life, looking for a little discernment and a little advice. If life was like a Star Wars episode, Sophos would be Yoda or maybe Obi-Wan. It's the grandparent who doesn't meddle but has lived enough life to know what Julian of Norwich had in mind when she said, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise person, Sophos, not the word Jesus uses. There's a second word for wisdom, sunatos. Sunatos is the well-read individual the person you want in your group project because she knows all the answers. She's conversant in all of the different topics and conversations. Sunatos. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person. Sunatos, not the word Jesus uses. There's a third word for wisdom, phronomos. Phronomos from phroneo, which I realize isn't particularly helpful, is the word from which we get our word diaphragm, like breathing. The diaphragm takes in the oxygen where it collects in the lungs and 
interacts with the circulatory system, sending out oxygenated blood to every other organ. The diaphragm works from the inside out. The diaphragm is the force that guides us from the inside. It's the constitution, phronomos. It's the centering reality in a fast-paced world where the fads and the whims of a cultural moment trying to seduce you into something other than you are allows you to remain centered and stable. It's like a ballast on a ship. No matter how big the waves rise, you don't roll over. Phronomos, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is like the wise person. Phronomos is the word Jesus uses. Phronomos has to do with integrity. What's true inside shows up in action outside. Phronomos, which he juxtaposes against the word foolish. The foolish person, the word is moros, which is the word from which we get our word moron. Did Jesus just call someone a moron? Interestingly, he uses the same word earlier in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, anyone who says you fool or you moron is in danger of the fire of hell. But now he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a moron. Now that you've heard it, you got to do it. Now that you've heard it, if you don't do it, that's just... Crazy, that's just moronic. Why, why would you do that? There is a necessary relationship between our action and our capacity to listen. Our action becomes a derivative of what we take in, what we breathe. Our doing is secondary to our hearing. And I'm curious, at least if not a tad concerned, what are you listening to? What do you take in? What's the air you breathe that gives life to the actions you offer? Uh, maybe you've had this experience. I'm, I'm parenting four girls. I, this happens to me all the time. You ask your child to do something, whatever it is, and you see no action towards that end. And what's the question you ask? Did you hear me? Mariah, would you clean your room? Mariah, did you hear me? There's a relationship between our action and what we take in, what we hear, what we listen to. And I'm curious, if not even actually concerned, what are you taking in? What are you listening to? In a fast world that's longing for someone centered, what do you take in? Now, apparently, the Barner Group in 2021, an association collaboration with the American Bible Society, did some research on Americans reading the Bible. And amazingly, this shocked me, Bible reading in America is on the rise. Way to go, USA. More people are reading the Bible now than they were 10 years ago. Crazy. Uh, they're called Bible users, according to Barna, and this is how Barna describes, defines a Bible user. Individuals who read, listen to, or pray with the Bible on their own at least three or four times a year outside of a church service or church event. Three or four times a year? Every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., my phone it gives me a notification on my average time use of my iPhone every day. The average amount of time I spend, your pastor spends on my phone every day, is three to four hours. 
and Bible users qualify as three to four times a year? What are you taking in? What are you breathing in? What are you listening to? There's a relationship between our action and what we hear. Wisdom begins with listening. This is why Henry Nouwen, I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago from a book titled In the Name of Jesus. It's apropos again, Christian leaders, and I think he's quite comfortable with me saying Christians, cannot simply be persons who have well-informed opinions about the burning issues of our time. Their leadership, their presence, must be rooted in a permanent, intimate relationship with the incarnate word Jesus, and they need to find there the source for their words, advice, and guidance. Through the discipline of contemplative prayer, Christian people have to learn to listen again and again to the voice of love and to find there the wisdom and courage to address whatever issue presents itself to them. Wisdom begins with our capacity to listen. What are you listening to? What are you breathing in? If you're sick of now and how about Newbegin? Haven't heard from him in a while. Authentic Christian thought and action begin not by attending to the aspirations of the people, not by answering the questions they're asking in their terms, not by offering solutions to the problems as the world sees them. It must begin and continue by attending to what God has done in the story of Israel and supremely in the story of Jesus Christ. It must continue by indwelling that story so that is our story the way we understand the real story. Newbegin, the missionary, the missionary Newbegin, the guy who's all about our action, suggests first we have to listen. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on rock. The rains came, the floods rise, the winds blow and beat against the house, but it doesn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. In a fast-paced world, it's coming at you so fast, it's unrelenting. Are you centered? What are you listening to? And you're, Maybe you're sitting there in your living room thinking, You know, Pastor, it's early February. I'm just trying to muscle my way through winter. I don't need the burden of another spiritual discipline. Or or, or maybe, maybe life is fine, life is good. There's no real pressing need to invest yourself into the worshiping life of the community of faith. Or maybe you're just cruising along on autopilot, not really even thinking about how you're doing, and and there's no real urgency to immerse yourself in the Bible study or city group or small group or prayer group. You're just fine. All of which is fine, but Jesus doesn't have in mind when everything's just fine. Jesus has in mind when the rains fall and the floods rise and the winds blow and beat against the house. Wisdom is realized in the storm. Wisdom shows up when the pressure's on and the pace is fast and the circumstances outside of your control wreak havoc on your life. Then we'll see who's been listening. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise person. Uh, This past Tuesday, I made my way over to the home of Linda and Adi Turrentine. I'm not sure if you know Linda and Adi on a Sunday morning. Most of the time they can be found in the second or third pew over here off to my left. Uh, They're just good people, Linda and Adi. 
Uh, uh, Linda's son, Jake Helder, he's the guy with the man bun, used to be one of our worship leaders, then moved off to Seattle. Uh, Linda and Adi love God with a passion and have a crazy kind of love for each other. Uh, Linda spent a bunch of her life in East Lansing. Adi worked for Michigan State. Uh, They fell in love. Uh, They're diehard Sparties. Uh, Adi worked there for like three or four decades. Uh, I made my way over uh, to their home on Tuesday. Just wanted to check in on them, pray with them. Linda, last July... It was just a normal day, just going about her business. She was walking from her bedroom over to her closet, and all of a sudden, it seemed like everything was lilting left. She just fell over. She didn't trip. She just fell. Adi was there. He saw it all happen. He was concerned. They headed over to Holland's emergency department, where they quickly got shuffled off to Grand Rapids hospitals, where they realized, in short order, uh, Linda was diagnosed with glioblastoma a very aggressive, fast-growing kind of brain cancer. Surgeries were scheduled first to remove two tumors in her brain, a second surgery to remove a third tumor in her brain, and then the radiation and the chemo, a cocktail of toxins trying to kill the cancer before it kills her. So I made my way over to their home on Tuesday, pulled into their beautiful neighborhood, up into the driveway. Adi was waiting for me at the door, walked me inside. Right next to the door was his MSU captain's chair for the three or four decades of time he'd given to that place. We grabbed some coffee, and he took me into the bedroom where Linda was lying. That's where she spends a bunch of her time. Uh, Pulled up a chair next to the bed. Linda's a vibrant, alive kind of person. Chemo has weakened her body, but it cannot take her spirit. She's quickly asking me, how are you? How's Kristen? How are the girls? What's life like for you? Her voice is weak, but her heart is alive. So we talked for a while. I noticed on the wall, just off to the right of her bed, were pieces of paper taped onto the wall with notes written on the paper an interesting aesthetic decision, I thought to myself. Uh, On the pieces of paper were different passages of Scripture. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Love, joy, peace, patience. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Each piece of paper, like another member of the choir, singing a gospel chorus to Linda and Adi each day. I asked Linda, how's your heart? She looked at me sort of quizzically like, what kind of a question is that? What I meant was, how, how, how are you, how's your spirit? How are you doing? And she put her head up against the pillow and she closed her eyes and she said, well, I guess I'm just holding on to Jesus. Or maybe, she said, he's holding on to me. When the rains fall and the floods rise and the winds blow and beat against the house, it doesn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock, wisdom. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise person. In a fast-paced world, when it's all coming at you unrelentingly, will you listen? Because what you take in feeds the way you behave. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen. Wisdom. Jesus is asking for wisdom. Jesus is wisdom personified. Jesus shows up here at the table. The bread broken for you, the cup poured out for the forgiveness of sins. If you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, you're welcome to partake of communion in this way. Maybe you've got some bread and juice, crackers and wine. If you're not at that place in life or faith, this isn't meant to be awkward or manipulative. We're grateful you've hung with us this long. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to walk with you, hear some of your questions. Uh, you can email me, j-o-n, at pillarchurch.com. For those who do partake, come as you're ready.